Good morning. Good, good, good day today. Very cool thing. Eleven people are getting baptized today. So after the celebration, uh, we're going to go down to the pool and baptize those folks. And so we'd love for you to come and uh, be a part of that. And then after that, it's free swim. Not really. Don't do that. Um, We'll get kicked out of the wise, so don't do that, okay? Um, But I just wanted to share that with you. Second thing is, if you would, uh, if you could pull this out of your program, it says Son of God. And something that we're really excited about is on Saturday, we have rented out an entire movie theater, and it's going to be free, and we want to encourage you to invite a friend or uh, uh, someone who's disconnected from Christ or the church, maybe a co-worker, maybe it's uh, a neighbor, and to invite them to come. It's going to be at 7 o'clock, and uh, we have 47 tickets left. So uh, if you want to do this, you'll go to the resource table, and you can don't do that now. Some of you are, like, ready to head over that way, so don't do that. But after the celebration, if you can do that, that'd be great. And then what's really neat is the next series that we're going to do, our teaching series, is going to be on the movie. And we'll have movie clips for each one. uh, And it'll be a great talking point for your friends. So just want to strongly encourage you to invite a friend and go to the movie. Deal? Wait, when I say deal, that's when you're supposed to say deal, okay? Deal? All right, there we go. All right. Well, today I want to talk about something that... um, I love to talk about, and yet at the same time, is something that I don't love so much. One thing I absolutely and completely love to talk about is generosity and the importance of being a generous person because we have a generous God. With all my heart, I I love to talk about generosity, maybe because for most of my life, folks, I was not a very generous person. In fact, I was the opposite of generous. I was a miser, a penny pincher, a cheapskate, a tight wad. In fact, I can remember a time that my wife and I were sitting beside each other, And she said, I thought I married Mr. Right, but I married Mr. Tight, you know. I'm like, come on, babe, you know, show me a little love here. But the good news is that God did a work in my heart and helped me to learn about the importance of being generous. And this is a truth that I've learned. Jesus actually said these words. It is more blessed to give than receive. It is more blessed... To give than to receive. Now, I love to talk about this, but quite honestly, um, I hate the way that it's often talked about in some churches and by some preachers. The problem I have is that sometimes when you talk, when you hear people talking about giving, there's this real kind of manipulative kind of perspective to manipulate you. Maybe you've experienced this before. You're watching television, you're just kind of channel surfing, flipping through, and all of a sudden you come to a television preacher, and he says something like this, 
Sow your seed and you're going to reap. Give today and God's going to bless you with a thousand dollars. And you're like, whatever. And you think to yourself, hashtag get a real voice first, you know. And you're like, serious? And you just don't want to get manipulative, which is so easy to do when we talk about this. Especially when you hear words like sowing and reaping. But that's exactly the title of what we're going to talk about today. Sowing and reaping. In fact, I'll be real transparent with you. For the first uh, 10 years, uh, our 10th anniversary is October. So you want to mark you know, that month that you're here all the time. It's going to be really cool. But uh, for the first nine and half years, whatever... Um, I never taught on this biblical principle of reaping and sowing because I just didn't want anyone to ever be manipulated. manipulated. Um, And so I talk about reaping and sowing and the fact that if you sow sinful seeds, you're going to experience a a painful harvest. I mean, if you sow sinful things, you'll, you'll have a painful harvest. But I never really did it with this area of giving because I didn't like the way it was being done and I was scared about it. But as I've been praying about it, today I want to do my best because I think Scripture really does speak to this concept. And that for those of us who are trying to honor in the best way we know of this principle, that it's incredibly biblical and that it's true through and through. And I've been praying and believing that God is going to touch hearts in this place today because of it. So let's kind of begin with our big idea. And our big idea is this. It will come up on the side screen if you want to uh, pull out your teaching outline. It's in your program. But this is the big idea. What you keep is all you have. What you give, God multiplies. What you keep is all you have. What you give, God multiplies. Okay, repeat after me. What you keep... Wait, no, no, no. Not like that. Like, repeat after me. That means I'll say it first and some of you want to do... You want to take the show. I know. All right. Just repeat after me. Okay. What you keep is all you have. What you give, God multiplies. Again, what you keep is all you have. What you give, God multiplies. Folks, what you keep is all you're ever going to have. But what you give gives potential for God to multiply In fact, Jesus taught this very clearly in Luke chapter 6. He said this. Jesus said, give and then what's it say? It will be given unto you. In other words, when you give, God will multiply. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Give... And it will be given back to you. What you keep, folks, is all you're ever going to have. What you give, God can actually multiply. Now, the first part of this verse, I never really had an issue with. I kind of understood it. That give, and it will be given back to you. But the second part of it um, was more difficult for me to, to understand. I mean, what does that mean when he says, a good measure pressed down and shaken together? Kind of sounds like a dance, doesn't it? Huh? A little bit, something like this. Um, 
a good measure, pressed down, shaken together. You know, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Some of you are here for the first time. You're like, it's the last time, dude. You've got no dance skills, right? You've got no dance skills whatsoever. Well, just hang in there. It probably will get worse before it gets better. So. so I took this passage of Scripture, and I did a little research this week, and this is what I found. First of all, folks, what you have to realize is Jesus lived in an agriculture community. Everyone understood the concept of farming. And so it wasn't unusual for them to hear something like this. For us, it's hard to understand. So I looked at some biblical scholars and their commentaries uh, this week. And what I found was this, that wheat, when you uh, put it into a barrel, is very, very heavy, a basket. And in the process, what would happen is they would collect all this wheat, they'd put it into a basket, and then they'd actually start to uh, carry it across fields. And they would carry it across the field, or they'd carry it to a storage unit, and they would empty it there. And if that's what you're doing throughout the day, uh, they would only keep it like half full, because they didn't want to break their back. Now, if you were strong, like Derek, our worship leader, uh, you know, you could do three quarters maybe. But if you're like me, you know, you have to do just half a basket. And they would carry this back and forth across different fields. But at the end of the week... The way that people got paid was that the generous landowner would come to you and he would say, for all your work, uh, I'm going to pay you now. They only got paid once a week at the end of the week. Now, question, how full do you think the last basket would be? How full? Full. Like a good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over the edges. It's a little bit like if you've ever gone to a convenience store before and you bought an icy. Have you ever gone and you buy this icy and you fill it up, but if you're going to get your icy maximized to the fullest, there's a little bit of air that collects. So you've got to shake it a little bit, don't you? comes down a little bit. You take your straw out. You press it down. And then you get the lid. And you put the lid on top. And you know with an icy, there's always a hole at the top, right? So then you fill it up as much as you can to where it starts to overflow. And when it overflows, you look around a little bit. And you take a couple licks, right? And then I have seen some people... Like our Celebrate Recovery director, Chuck Mock, actually take out a straw and sip a little bit and look around and then pour it a little bit more, okay? So if you have a hurt habit or hang-up, you should go to Celebrate Recovery at 7 o'clock on Thursdays to help him with his issues, okay? So 7 o'clock, Celebrate Recovery. Now here's the truth, folks. When you give, God gives back to you. And he gives to a point that it runs over. It runs over. Pressed down, 
shaken together, running over, it will be given to you. Folks, if you keep what you have, that's all you're ever going to have. But if you give, God can multiply. Now, we need to be really careful about this, though, because in church world, there have been some uh, egregious, dangerous things that uh, have taken place. Now, if you're new to the church, you're here for the first time, you're like, oh my goodness, I came here for the first time, and he's talking about money. Don't worry, we talk about sex for the rest of the time, okay? <laughs> and, for, and for those of you who don't like that, we talk about, you know, basket weaving or something like that, you know? So give it a shot next week. But this is what's true. If you're new, you don't understand uh, these couple concepts that I'm going to talk about. But in behind the scenes uh, in the church, there are two thoughts that are very dangerous. One is the prosperity gospel, and the other one is called the poverty gospel. The prosperity gospel and the poverty gospel. The prosperity gospel basically says this. If you just have enough faith and you give enough money and you give generously, then God is going to bless you and you are going to be rich. Rich. And unfortunately, folks, it's just a huge, gross distortion of what the Bible actually says. And it's extremely, extremely dangerous. Now, on the other side, which is equally dangerous, is the poverty gospel. And the poverty gospel, uh, you know, if if the prosperity gospel says, if you're righteous, you'll be rich, what the poverty gospel says is that if you're rich, you're unrighteous. The only righteous people are poor people. People who give everything away. They don't have anything at all. And again, folks, that is a very dangerous message. Because Scripture simply says that God does bless His people. He blesses His people's health. He blesses people with relationships. And He does bless people with wealth. So, it's not about what you have or what you don't have. What it's more about is the condition of your heart. And do you manage well what He's given to you? So, just because there are some dangerous extremes out there, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't plug ahead right down the middle trying to be faithful to the biblical text itself to teach the powerful message that Jesus gave when he said, give and it will be given back to you. So let me give you now two principles that deal with this whole concept of sowing and reaping. The first one you've heard of before. Uh, You reap what you sow. It's pretty simple. But you reap what you sow. Let's say that out loud together. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Galatians 6, 7 says this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. People reap what they sow. You reap what you sow. In other words, folks, if you go out and you plant an apple seed and you plant the seed, eventually you expect there to be an apple tree. I mean, it'd be weird, wouldn't it, if it was an orange tree? 
mean, it doesn't happen that way. You're not going to get an orange tree if you plant an apple seed. You're going to get an apple tree. At the house that uh, my wife Jennifer and I lived at before we had kids, uh, there was this big field behind us, 40 acres, but it was a floodplain, so the farmer uh, just mowed it. But in between the back of our fence and that field was this little grassy area that you could throw stuff across the fence. And one Halloween, we had pumpkins, and we had these pumpkins. I'm like, I don't want to throw it in our garbage You know, because then it gets all smelly and nasty. So I just threw it over the edge. Didn't think anything about it. A year later, folks, guess what we had? Pumpkins. So I told Jennifer, I was like, hey, you know what? Let's start a carving business. A pumpkin carving business. And so I tried to carve one. Here it is. I did it from the side, and it didn't work. And she said, stay being a pastor, okay? And yet this is what I learned. If I throw out pumpkins, I get a pumpkin back. You reap what you sow. For example, if you smile at somebody, some of you are like, I ain't smiling. I don't care what you do. I'm not going to smile. Okay, that's fine. But most of the time, if you smile, somebody will smile back. If you forgive people in your life, If you forgive people, guess what? They're more likely to forgive you. If you treat your wife with tenderness and love and respect, she's more likely to return that to you. If you give your wife a hard time, you reap what you sow. You give her a hard time, she will multiply it to you and give you hell. Women, is that true? Some people are like, yes. Others are like, amen. You know, like. (laughs) You reap what you sow. Here's the second thing uh, regarding reaping and sowing. It's this. You reap more than you sow. Not only do you reap what you sow, you actually reap more than you sow. Jesus said this, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. They will receive a hundred times as much and they will receive eternal life. In other words, if you give up something, folks, if you give up something for the glory of God, you're actually going to reap more than you sow. You will reap way more than you ever get. How do I know this to be true? It's true in my life. My wife Jennifer and I were living in Flora, Indiana. It's like Mayberry. You know what I mean? If you've ever seen the Andy, those of you in their 20s, just Google it. Right now you're going to do it anyway. So Andy Griffith Show. And it was this depicted television show in the 50s that everything was wonderful in Mayberry. There were front porches all over the place, and that's the way Flora, Indiana was. No one knew a stranger. People just walked up to your porch. You sat down. Jen and I loved Flora, Indiana. We were comfortable. Everything was good. And then we felt like God was calling us to do something for him by leaving our Friends, 
And family that we love, family that live close to us, closer than they do now, and come to Muncie and to start a different kind of church. A church that broke the mold. A church that everyone belongs. There was just two of us when we first started. And seven years later, I'll never forget, the first time that we broke the 200 barrier, and I remembered this scripture, that God will give you a hundred times as much. And I just honestly want to say this. Your family does. We left friends and we left family because we wanted the family of God to be impacted in greater ways. And we love you guys. Let me tell you about another person. Her name's Abby Guthrie. She works in our Celebrate Recovery Ministry, and she also helps with pastoral care. And when we first were starting the church, I went to uh, Abby and I said, Hey, Abby, um, we're starting this church. I wonder if you would be a part of it. Now, she had a nice, she's a pharmacist. She had a nice pharmacy career up in northern Indiana. Her parents, who were failing in health, were uh, closer to her. Everything was better. She felt comfortable. She had friends, all kinds of stuff. And last year, Abby did a chaplaincy rotation uh, through her master's program because she's a chaplain. And while she was gone, we hit the 300 barrier, and it hit me again, that particular scripture, that there were only three people, and God had blessed it a hundred times. Folks, you reap what you sow. Now, I don't want you to get confused by thinking that God is like this cosmic Coke God. You know, like you got the, you got the Coke machine, get out my money, put it in there, and like, bring it on, house, condo, whatever you want, you know, give it to me. It doesn't happen like that all the time. You press the button and poof, you get exactly what you want. I don't want you to hear that because that's a distortion of what Scripture says. I want you to realize, though, that God does bless people who give. Several years ago, uh, my wife Jennifer and I, we had been married about three years, and we had gotten into some huge credit card debt. We couldn't pay it off. We were in bad shape. We got a friend who was an accountant. He came in. He helped us out. And uh, after three years, it didn't happen immediately, but after three years, we got to the point where we were above water. And I was like, Jen, we, we need to take a vacation. Like, we haven't gone anywhere. We haven't done anything. We need to take a vacation. And uh, so we, could, we wanted to go somewhere warm. It was in the winter. We wanted to go somewhere warm. But what we could afford was Chicago or Cincinnati. Now, Chicago or Cincinnati in the winter is not real warm, okay? So uh, we, we got together and we're like, this is all we can afford. And at that point, and I've shared this with you before, everyone should give something and then increase your giving by 1% until you get to the tithe, which is 10%. That's what Scripture clearly talks about, that we want to reach that point and we give the first fruits. 
And so we were at 8%. Uh, we weren't at 10%. We were only at 8%. And I thought to myself in one moment, I was like, man, if we just like kind of, you know, held back a little bit, and we didn't do this for, you know, January and February, we could go somewhere warm. And I'm a pastor. Come on, God. You know, bring it. And I'll never forget, and I'm so glad this prompting hit me this week, um, when I remember God saying, Chris, don't stop honoring me now. And that's all I needed. And I was like, you're right, God. Why would I? Last three years, we've been increasing by 1%. We've been giving. Why would I stop honoring you now? You've blessed us. You've met our needs. You're right. And so we just kept doing it. Well, the next week, uh, a lady who was a recent widow in our church, Leona Collins, she walked into my office and she said, um, God just kind of placed it on my heart that if you and Jen ever want to, I have a trailer down in Florida, in Ruskin, Florida, that you guys can go and you can use any time. And... I was like, yeah, you know. And she's like, no, it's not much. It's very simple. It's a trailer, but there are some beaches there, and you can go. And I went back and told Jen. She's like, yes, no Chicago, no Cincinnati, you know. And we went down to Ruskin, and we had enough money that since we didn't have to pay for any lodging, we were able to go down there and stay. And it was amazing. I mean, we stayed faithful to God in just a small way, not expecting anything. We were heading to Chicago or Cincinnati. And through his goodness and Leona's generosity, it changed. Now, again, I'm not trying to say this, that if you give money to the jar, you're going to get a trip to Florida. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know what some of you are thinking right now, but you might. And God gives this principle that you reap what you sow, folks, but you reap sometimes a lot more than you sow. For the rest of our time, I just want to give you three giving truths that come from a passage in 2 Corinthians. Here's the first one. It says, your heart matters when you give. Your heart matters when you give. Everybody say, my heart matters. matters. Say it again. My heart matters. Your heart matters when you give. In fact, Paul, who wrote over half of the New Testament, was was one of Jesus' closest friends, or one of his closest followers, and is considered, uh, you know, kind of the stalwart of the early church. He started a church in Corinth, which is in present-day Greece. And Corinth was kind of like Las Vegas. You know, whatever happens in Vegas, what? Stays in Vegas. Like some of you will not say, my heart matters. But you'll say, what stays in Vegas? You know what I mean? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And Corinth is like that. Uh, It it just had all kinds of Vegas stuff. Gambling, pagan worship, sexual immorality. It was just a mess. And Paul goes and he starts his church... And people come to Christ and they turn from their old ways and they're living in the joy and uh, faithfulness of God. 
But he leaves and he goes and he starts some other churches and he finds out that things aren't so good, that people have actually turned back to the other way. And so he writes to them. And he writes to them because they're being selfish and greedy and they're no longer giving anything away to the poor. And he writes to them and he says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. In other words, if you don't plant a lot of seeds, folks, you're not going to get a lot of fruit. There won't be a harvest. If you don't give much, you're not as likely to get much for your generosity. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap what? Generously. That you will actually reap generously. Paul goes on to say, Each of you should give what you have decided to give in your heart. And this is really important. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves what kind of giver? A cheerful giver. God loves it when we give with the right heart. Because the right heart really matters to him. God loves a cheerful giver. In fact, uh, one of the things that I found is that it's actually more fun to give than it is to receive. Think about those of you who are parents. Do you get real excited when your kids get you a present? Or do you get real excited when their eyes open something up and they're like, Wow! Dad! Seriously? I I haven't seen my girls very much this weekend because I've been in a lot of meetings. And so last night before they went to bed, I said, Hey, tonight we're going to have a surprise. And my daughter Shiloh turned to me and she goes, hey, Dad, we're going to the zoo, aren't we? And I'm like, no, we're not going to the zoo. What do you mean we're going to the zoo? So don't tell them, but we're going to take them to the Lego movie. And uh, so it's going to be a surprise. And I'll, I'll get so much more out of that than the, well, it's not going to be 20 bucks because they like popcorn. So, you know, it's like a $200 by the time, you know, you, you pay for everything that's at uh, a movie theater. But God loves a cheerful giver. There's more fun when you give. There's an old story about a mom that had two different kind of bills. She had a $5 bill and a $1 bill. And the mom was trying to teach her daughter how to give. And so she said, I'm going to give you these two bills. I want you to give one to God and I want you to keep one for yourself. And so they went to church that Sunday and the pastor stood up and said, God loves a cheerful giver. And the offering plate came by, and uh, the little girl was wrestling. You know, one or five, one, five, one, five. And she put the $1 bill in the offering, and she kept the $5 for herself. And afterwards, uh, the mom was saying, so, so what were you thinking when all of that kind of went through your mind? Why did you do what you did? And the little girl said, well, the pastor stood up and said, God loves a cheerful giver. And I thought I'd be happier keeping the five and giving God the one. Now, let's just call it what it is, folks. That's what a lot of us believe, isn't it? We'd be happier if we just kept what we have. And the reason I know this is because for years and years and years of my life, that's what I thought. I never realized 
the joy of generosity until I started giving. You see, sometimes, folks, you have to step out and give first and then receive the joy. That's why for some of us, the automatic withdrawal plan that we have here at the church where you just automatically set it up and you say, hey, I'm just going to give. This is what it is. You can get it at the resource table is the way to do it because then all of a sudden you're already saying at the beginning, I am automatically giving my gift to God. And then the joy comes out of knowing that. I mean, we really do believe, I really do believe that Jesus was true when he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And sometimes you don't love giving. I mean, I remember the first time that Jennifer and I sat down and we wrote out our uh, gift to the church and we still had all this credit card bill. And we're sitting there and I'm a pastor and we lived on $16,000 and there were two of us and we're like writing it all out. We had two apartments to pay for. And I'm like, oh, hallelujah, I'm giving to God, you know. No, the very first time I was like, ah, and I'm like, ah. But then once I started doing that more and more and more, the joy actually started to come. In fact, think about it. The only kind of stories that I ever hear that are real emotional are giving stories. I mean, think about that. I think of a woman who was a single woman who typically went out with her girlfriends every weekend. And a couple days before the paycheck, she would uh, not have any money left. And she told me, she said, I wasn't a tither naturally, giving 10% of my income. But finally, I just decided maybe I wouldn't do everything with the girlfriends and I would actually start this tithing thing. And so she did. So nervously, she trying to kind of trusted God with it all. And she said, it was amazing that God met my budget and I actually was able to start saving money like I'd never had before. And there was faith and there's joy in this woman now. And now she's, she's married. She's a part of our church. And the impact has been huge in her life. There was another person that God placed it up on their heart to give some money to somebody else in the church who was struggling. I don't even know who the person is who gave the money. I just know the email that I got from the person who received it. This is what she wrote. I am overwhelmed by the generosity of someone in our church. We received a check in the mail yesterday for $400 and a note card from the jar, but the card was not signed. I don't know who did this, but I am so grateful. Now I can pay the balance of my electric bill and get my prescriptions filled, which includes my blood pressure medicine that I was going to go without. Thanks to the giving heart of someone in our church, I can get the medicine today. I don't know, but generosity may have saved that woman's life. Think about that. You stand before God one day, and he looks at you, and he goes, you know what? You saved somebody's life. You're like, what are you talking about? No, no, no. You gave some money, and that money was used, and she got her blood pressure medicine taken care of. I think of my mom and dad. Several years ago, the jar was kind of uh, struggling, and we were uh, having a hard time. Some staff had left. It was difficult. I was discouraged. And my mom and dad said, hey, we're going to keep going to our church in Marion, but we're going to start coming 
to the jar, too. And I thought, oh, that's great. And then he said, and we're going to keep on giving financially to both of them. And I was like, Dad, why would you do this? My dad kind of got a little bit welled up and he said, because there is not a greater investment in this world than the local church. It's not. And the joy that was in his eyes and the joy to see what God has done. Here's the deal, folks. When you give, your heart is right. I mean, think about it. Do you ever, have you ever heard any emotional keeping stories before? Have you ever heard any emotional keeping stories? I mean, something like this. Oh, we were thinking about blessing someone, but oh, thank God we kept it for ourselves. You know? Or, you know, we were praying about being generous to the church and we were going to start tithing and giving generously to it, but thank God we didn't give in to the temptation. And we kept it to ourselves. Or, you know, there's a single mom in the church and we know she doesn't make much. And um, her son's having a birthday. And we were considering helping her out. But, oh, hallelujah, we overcame the horrible temptation that we decided not to give to give that kid a good birthday. Thanks be to God, you know. No. There is no such thing, folks, as emotional Keeping stories. They don't exist. But when you give and your heart is right, there's something powerful that happens. Your heart matters when you give. Here's the second thing. You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. Paul said this, and God is able to bless you abundantly. Does it say Your job is able to bless you abundantly? Does it say the government is able to bless you abundantly? No, it says God. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have scattered abroad their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now... He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. I love this. God will increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Just think about that. He says, I'm not just going to bless you with money, but I'm I'm actually going to bless you with righteousness. In fact... There are two times, folks, when you are most like God, when you are giving and when you are forgiving. The two times you're most like God is when you're giving and you're forgiving. When you're giving and you're forgiving. Folks, you cannot outgive God. And I can just tell you this firsthand uh, in my own life. When the church first started, we were meeting in homes and uh, we grew up to about 25 people. And we were too big for any one home, so we started meeting upstairs where the kids meet now. And when we started meeting up there, uh, the attendance dropped. It went from 25 to 15. And I was discouraged. I was ready to give up. We'd been doing this for a little over a year, and we got 15 people, and I'm done. And some people around me kind of lifted my arms up and encouraged me and said, No, Chris, this is a time that we're going all in. All in. 
And so we took the little money that we had at the church, and at that time we went and we rented out a movie theater, and that movie theater was showing this movie, The Passion of the Christ. And we rented it out. We gave all the tickets to people who were far and disconnected from God. And then we had a talkback session at the Muncie Children's Museum. We had child care and pizza. And this is what happened. Six months later, a lot of those people who watched that movie had some pizza. Okay? So God and pizza together. Good, at, good thing. It might be communion in heaven. I don't know. But God and pizza uh, got people to start coming. And many of those people gave their lives to Christ, and they were baptized, and the church grew because we went all in. And so we're getting close to our 10-year anniversary, and I was like, man, we need to do something like this. And I talked to our Outward Focus director. He's like, son of God, let's just do it again. Let's rent a movie theater and give out the tickets for free. And you can pick them up if you signed up today. And we want you to invite your friends and family to do that because I believe that God's going to bless it and he's going to touch people's lives and lives are going to be changed because we stepped out in faith and we gave rather than keeping it for ourselves. You know, folks, in the early days, we gave when we didn't have much. We realized if we kept it, that's all that we'd have. But if we give it away, God multiplies it. Here's the last thing. People will thank God because of what you give. People will thank God because of what you give. Verse 11 says this. You will be enriched in every way. Why? So you can keep it for yourself? Just keep it for myself. What's it say? You will be enriched in every way so that you can give even more generously. Imagine that. You see a chance to give. Bam! I'm going to give. Every opportunity. Bam! I'm going to be generous. And when you take gifts to people who are really in need, they break out in thanksgiving to God. How do I know this? Because you guys have done it. You've given generously, and people will see me in the community And they thank me, but really what they're doing is they're thanking our church. I was at the Salvation Army uh, this Christmas, and our family always adopts at least one family, if not two, to provide Christmas for them. And I walked in to get the name, and when I walked in, I gave them my name, and they put down Chris Bunch. They're like, are you Chris Bunch, pastor at the jar? And when people say that, I think, probably better lie and just say... (laughs) I'm somebody else, you know. But I didn't. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm Chris Bunch from the jar. And I was standing like this. And all of a sudden, she like gave me this big old bear hug. I'm like, oh, you know. And she's like, would you please thank your church for what they gave? And I said, well, what are you talking about? And then she opened this room. And there were all of these grocery carts filled with uh stockings that were full, over 120 of them, she goes, this is what you get. I was at Morningstar Bread Baskets, a uh, homeless, uh, poverty-stricken soup kitchen. A couple months ago, I was with my kids. We're doing it together, my wife. And a lady came up to me, and she goes, this particular woman named Pam, she goes, does Pam go to your church? I said, yeah. She goes, I knew it. She goes, 
because of the way she treats and acts and gives. You guys give so much. And then they said, the reason we're able to give turkeys this year more than we've ever been able to do is because your church was able to give a whole bunch of canned food. Remember that? thousand cans of food that we got. I think about our Soda Pop Sunday that's coming up. We have a partnership with a group called CSI Ministry. And for $500, you can save the life of an orphan in Kenya. And so far, we've saved six lives of orphans. Just once a quarter, giving money, seeing lives change. You did that. Just this week, I got an email uh, from a Ball State student. This is what they said. My name is Leon. I know the jar from your members who gave me a free breakfast and a newspaper at the bus station. I hope to come on Sunday. You know what he's saying with that? He's saying thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Let me close with one last story. Last year, a woman named Margie started coming to our church. She was a single mom who had been abused by her boyfriend, and she started attending the church with her daughter, Megan. She was living at A Better Way. It's a transitional uh, housing, uh, great organization that helps victims of domestic violence. And they helped her. to. She got a job. She started working. Last summer, she uh, got baptized. She's grown closer to God. Everything's going well. But transitional housing is just that. They transition you out so that you can be on your own. And her time had come up. And she found an apartment, but it was pretty much twice as much as she could afford. And in Margie's words, she goes, it was nasty and gross. (laughs) It is nasty and gross. But the deadline to move out was just a couple of weeks ago. And she's like, well, I've got to have a place for my daughter, so I guess I'll just do whatever I can to make it work. I don't know if it will or not. Well, she asked a couple in our church named uh, Jim and Marty, who also got baptized this summer, to start praying for her. Now, this is what she didn't know. She didn't know that they owned a house that would meet her need. So Jim and Marty prayed about it. And last weekend, Margie moved into a house that was half the price of what she would have paid. And there's more room than what she would have had in the nasty, gross apartment. Now, here's the clincher, folks. All of you right now are like, oh, that's a cool story. Here's the clincher. Several months ago, Jim and Marty were going to sell the house. They were done with the renting piece. They were ready to sell it. And Marty was praying one day, and it just hit her that God prompted her to say, someone in the church is going to need this house, so I want you to keep it. And she asked Jim, and Jim's like, absolutely, that's what we'll do. Now, folks, if that doesn't blow you away, you ain't going to be blown away ever in your life. Because now, all of a sudden, you have a young mom with a child 
who got blessed. And Jim and Marty are going to reap so much more than they ever sowed. You reap more than you sow. And what you keep, folks, it's all that you have. But what you give, God multiplies. Now, I have a feeling that when you woke up this morning, you didn't wake out of bed and go, it's time to be a tightwad. Oh, boy, I feel tightwadness coming on. I want to be a cheapskate. I want to keep everything that I have to myself. That's me. That's what I want to do. Now, some of you are looking at your spouse going, no, he really does do that. But I have a feeling that all of us want to be generous. The problem is, is that for many of us, the reason we can't be generous is we haven't learned how to manage our money. And for some of you today, you know what you should do? Take the credit card that you can't pay. If you can't pay the entire balance, you need to cut it up today. It's the best thing that Jennifer and I ever did uh, 20 years ago. We cut up our credit cards. Get out of debt. For others of you, you're not in debt, but you've not set godly priorities. You have not prioritized your finances. But you need to. And this is what happens. You'll be tested every week or every two weeks. You know what happens every week or every two weeks? You get paid. And you get to choose at that time, am I going to honor God with the first part of my gifts? Are you going to honor him or are you going to keep it for yourself? All of it for myself. I mean, some of you, you're managing your money extremely well. You just haven't set priorities very well for God to bless you in greater ways. And finally, for some of you, honestly, you just need some tools. That's why next Monday, we're going to have our financial peace class. Last year, we had 23 people take the class. There were 15 credit cards that were cut up, and it was canceled. Combined, they were able to pay off $11,000 in debt to put back $5,000 in savings. And folks, they did all of that In nine weeks. Nine weeks. Because freedom with your finances creates freedom in your life. And entire families were changed. Folks, it truly is a bigger blessing to give than to receive. Because what you have Or what you keep is all you have. But what you give, God multiplies. Let's stand for closing prayer. And I'll invite uh, our prayer team to come up. If you'd like prayer for uh, anything, that'd be great. And uh, let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd speak to your church today. You know how hard of a message it is for me to give and for people to receive. And we don't want to be disingenuous this morning. And so we want to begin by saying, thank you, God, for being such a generous God to us and providing for all of our needs. 
God, help us to reflect your generosity. Remind us that we reap what we sow. Remind us that when we give to you, we reap more than we sow. Help us also to remember what we keep, God, is all that we have. But what we give, you multiply. Now, maybe some of you are here today and you're saying, man, I'm not even walking with God. I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm not right with God. Well, I want you to know that there is a person who is the most generous person ever in the history of the world. Your Heavenly Father. He is the definition of what it means to give. He gave His one and only Son on a cross because He loved you so much. And He wanted you to be a part of His family. He brought you here today. And that if you were the only person on planet Earth when Jesus went to the cross, He was so generous that He would have died just for you. So maybe just quietly to yourself, in your heart, you could pray this prayer. Jesus, I need you. Today, by faith, I give my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so I can serve you for the rest of my life. Thank you for this new life. And I give mine to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like prayer for anything, uh, Justin and uh, Patty would love to pray for you. Uh, Otherwise, we'll see you down at the baptismal pool, poolside. Have a great week, everybody.